You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Juniper joins Cisco and Fortinet in confirming shadow brokers zero days. We hear from the principal investigator in Columbia University's study of NSA zero day disclosure policy, and we talk with Red Seal about firewall security and vulnerability. IoT encryption R&D updates, security startups attract more investment, and what not to say to your VC. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, August 23, 2016. Juniper Networks joins Cisco and Fortinet in confirming that the shadow broker's leaks include zero days for its products. NetScreen devices running ScreenOS are vulnerable. Most observers who've expressed an opinion have concluded the shadow broker's leaks are genuine. There's more divergence on attribution of responsibility, although consensus continues to point to Russian intelligence. A minority argues that this couldn't be the case, because the Russian organs would have held the material quietly and exploited it for their own purposes, and that hence the leaks were the work of a rogue NSA insider. But more observers, Edward Snowden of all people among them, argue that disclosure is a deliberate move on the part of the Russian government to discredit NSA and place American intelligence collection in bad odor. And, of course, the complicity of a compromised insider is consistent with a Russian intelligence operation. That the shadow brokers are private actors with a mix of hacktivist and mercenary motives seems unlikely. Their online auction of the material has seen no serious bidders. And, as CIO points out, the loss leaders with which they've teased the market would have brought a great deal of money from zero-day brokers, whether white, gray, or black hat. As it stands, their bids yesterday totaled only a little more than $1,000. There's been much speculation over whether or not the NSA has been hoarding zero days. We spoke with Jason Healy, senior research scholar at Columbia University. You led the study at Columbia University of NSA's zero-day policy, and you presented that at DEF CON this year. Um, And you suggested that there wasn't a big hoard of zero days being kept by the agency. Can you summarize those conclusions for us? The research did... Um, a couple of things. One, we, we wanted to get in and get some detail on this actual process that the government uses, um, whether they're going to keep vulnerabilities to themselves or, or tell the vendor. Second, we looked at um, how many does it seem like they keep per year. And there, and so I'm a former White House staffer, director of cyber policy, for, you know, former NSAer. And I, if you would have asked me beforehand, I probably would have said in the hundreds. I, I don't think in the thousands, but it was possible. And I talked to other folks that were like me, and they were kind of inside outsiders, right? I mean, they, they, they didn't know the real number, but they, um, they knew a lot about Washington, D.C., and, and about national defense. And that seemed to be about right. And it looks like that uh, today, the number is in the single digits. I mean, we saw one number that said two. In 2015, they retained two vulnerabilities. 
or at least two that the White House is aware of. Far, far less than I think anyone else would have guessed. What do you advocate as a policy with respect to government discovery and disclosure of vulnerabilities? Well, you know, having been a former NFA from our White House, right, NSA is good a spot, right? I mean, they're, they are there and they've helped to make sure that we haven't had additional attacks like 9-11. You know, they're keeping an eye on what the Russians and the Chinese and the Iranians are up to. And spying versus cyber means is one of the most effective ways to do that. So we know that that has to have this role. So one of the things that we'd like to get across to folks is there's actually a relatively good, mature process that seems to be happening right now. You know, NSA is potentially a lot less nefarious than, than I think um, a lot of that a lot of people fear. Um, we've already done a fair amount of transparency. You know, most of it was forced on the White House, right? They weren't talking about this process until Heartbleed came out, and then that forced the White House, NSA and the White House to come out and start telling us more about this process. Has has the has this shadow brokers incident you know led you at all to reevaluate the conclusions of your study? Not so far. Um, I'm very open to it. I'm I'm quite concerned that I might have to. Um, you know, Symantec came out. You know, they said last year we discovered 50 zero days in the wild in 2015. So again, you know, a, an NSA arsenal of dozens sounds about right. If you said, all right, well, we discovered 50, and that covers all of the U.S. ones, all of the Chinese ones, all of the Russia ones, all of the organized crime. And so right now, I'm um, uh, I'm prepared to come off of that, but I haven't seen anything um, so far that that shakes us. That's Jason Healy, senior research scholar at Columbia University. Red Seal is a cybersecurity company that specializes in network resilience. They also found themselves mentioned in some speculative reports about the NSA leaks last week. We wanted their take on that, as well as their thoughts on protecting firewalls. I spoke with Ray Rothrock, CEO of Red Seal. Last Friday, uh, Salted Hash published a piece where they reported with some skepticism that hackers with the handles Brother Spartacus and 13 Johns said that someone called Dark Lord was conducting a red team engagement of some Red Seal tools on behalf of InQtel and that they walked off the job with a copy of the vulnerabilities the Shadow Brokers have published. Do you have any, any comments about that piece? We, we really don't. We have no knowledge of any of that. And we were, uh, the reporter did call us, and we we don't have any knowledge of that at all. It's, it, that headline and that article stunned us. We don't know what happened with the Shadow Brokers leaks in terms of any details, what they did or how they did it or whatever. We, we just don't have any knowledge of that. But uh, there's some other information in the, in the the on the web that indicates that the, the tools leaked are legitimate and that there is some connection to the NSA. Uh, and watching the uh, fallout through other articles like Fed Scoop this morning, it's quite serious. And, and, and companies like Cisco and whatever are taking this as a, as a, as a uh, five-alarm drill. So uh, that's what we know. So the story is that this may have involved firewall zero days. We're wondering what your take is on... Uh, you know, how does an enterprise know that it has a problem with its firewalls? So the, the, the nature of the uh, vulnerability in some of these firewalls comes from SNMP, and this is a management protocol. Dr. Mike Lloyd is Red Seal's chief technology officer. What you need to think about if you want to understand what that means for an organization, you have to think about traffic to a firewall as distinct from traffic through a firewall. Right? A firewall exists to police 
some edge, so, so some boundary between one place and another. And so you set these things up at your outer edge, but also for internal segmentation. A lot of organizations over the last several years, for reasons of resilience, to, to try and increase their ability to withstand attacks, they started using internal segmentation. And this means you use uh, firewalls at a lot of boundary locations, and they're, they're supposed to send all traffic through these devices. So that's normal. If you want to use the network, your traffic needs to go through a firewall. But as a typical network user, you should never need to send any traffic to the firewall. Now, what that means is that the, you normally set up a network to have a distinction between the people who can send traffic to the firewall and those who can't. Right? This is different from uh, all of the regular traffic that has to pass through it. So the, 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 the trick with the two traffic uh, is you set up a, a network management zone in, inside a network. It's a standard best practice. But it's a quite difficult thing to do, right? This may sound a little bit abstract, and well, because it's a little bit abstract, organizations struggle to understand whether they've got good control of the traffic to their firewalls. And and this is what scares them when news like this comes out. The the scary part is, okay, there's now a vulnerability, and if anybody can send this SNMP traffic to my firewalls, they may be able to get onto them and do all kinds of nasty things. And they can't easily tell whether they've got control of traffic to the firewalls. What can an enterprise do to protect themselves? A very good starting point is to audit who has access to your firewalls. Where, where do you allow access from? You'll see this in the advisories from all of the makers of the firewalls as well. They're, they're all in a, in a scramble right now to, to, to build patch software that is no longer vulnerable. That's the routine response to a zero day. There's also a lot of focus not just on the firewall devices, but on how you manage your network. Do you have a well-built enclave where only your network management personnel who need to do this have access to the firewalls. And so one of the first things you have to do is go check, okay, did, did I get that uh, network management zone built correctly? That's Dr. Mike Lloyd, Chief Technology Officer at Red Seal. Interest in and concerns about the security of the Internet of Things continue to grow. Yesterday, researchers at Tohoku University in Sendai, Japan, announced development of what they describe as more efficient compression of encryption for IoT devices. U.S. scientists at NIST are also working on standards for lightweight crypto of the kind IoT devices will need. The task apparently is giving them the willies. Short keys of the kind they're considering are relatively weaker. They're working to arrive at standards for devices that will be lightweight enough to work on simple IoT devices, but that will remain strong enough to accommodate useful security. In industry news, Threat Quotient announced this morning it had received $12 million in Series B funding. The round was led by New Enterprises Associates, joined by existing investors Blue Venture Investors and the Center for Innovative Technology. Tempered Networks has said that it's raised an additional $10 million in funding. Rally Capital joined existing investors in the round. And finally, TechCrunch offers advice on how not to pitch your startup to venture capitalists. Have you thought about saying, we are the Uber of our industry, applying curated, user-generated gamification of the sharing economy? Well, TechCrunch says don't. The VCs will run for the exits. We might add leveraging synergies to this short list of cliché elevator speech text. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me is John Petrick, editor of the CyberWire. John, what other news is coming in about this NSA leak? We had the third major company confirm that, in fact, some of the material leaked does include zero days that affect its products. That's Juniper Networks, that both uh, Cisco and Fortinet had last week said that, uh, yes, they confirmed that the zero days did affect their products. How about attribution? Are we narrowing that down at all? Most people continue to believe that the leaks are ultimately the work of the Russian government. Most people don't find the apparent identity of the shadow brokers particularly plausible. Uh, that being that they are kind of disinterested hacktivists who are also in it for the money, who want to strike a blow against uh, the people they call wealthy elite and so on and so forth. James Bamford, a journalist who's written a lot about the NSA for many years, his book The Puzzle Palace was the first uh, general study of the NSA to be published uh, several decades ago. Bamford has looked at it and he said that He doesn't think it could have been the Russians. It's uh, foolish to speculate that it was the Russians because had the Russians had access to this material, they would have been the last people in the world to disclose it, to reveal it. Okay, but that's uh, there are alternative explanations as well. I mean, the grounds for thinking that it has to be an insider come largely down to observations people have made that some of the content of the leaks, so the material that's leaked so far, appears to contain words that would have only been accessible to someone who had access to an air-gapped system. So the notion is that there's another Snowden, as people are calling him, uh, pilfering this stuff, taking it out on a, uh, on a thumb drive or some other storage medium. So that's possible. And it's worth noting, however, that the existence of a rogue insider is by no means incompatible with the whole operation being a Russian intelligence operation. John Petrick, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. 
With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K Cyberwire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.